Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Quinlan, joined here by our soon-to-be, we're locally-based recruiting analyst, Russell Johnson. Um, Russell, it's been a while. We've both been on the road for the last couple weeks. You had vacation. I had non-vacation, but was doing camp season. We were both doing camp season. Um, so, you know, I guess let's go back. Uh, we left just after spring break. I mean, just after spring ball started and we've had a spring game, a quiet time of lack of commitments um, on the football front. And then uh, now a break and now the open period or whatever you want to call it, the uh, for coaches going the road starts up here in a, a couple of days and, it's uh it's been an interesting spring that's for sure and ultimately I guess the biggest story coming out of spring was um Kerry Dixon leaving and Del Alexander rejoining uh, Chip Long's offensive staff he worked with them at Notre Dame and at Arizona State that's where they first got together and um Dell is gonna kind of take over group and it'll be interesting to see because the one thing I've known from covering different receivers coaches is that is actually one of the few positions that really can change quite a bit depending on the the coach and their style and how they rotate guys and all those types of things. So it'll be interesting to see who kind of where, where the wide receiver development goes. Cause on the outside, there hasn't been maybe as much as I think Jeff Collins and them would like, it's been very slot heavy. The slots do a lot of the heavy lifting and, the outside receiver production hasn't been quite what they want. So I think it's going to be interesting what Dell Alexander does. And, you know, something Russell and I have talked about a lot on the site is that the possibility of adding another receiver via the portal. And I certainly think Dell might be a guy who could attract someone interesting that way too. Yeah. I can't agree with you more on that, uh, both with the, um, the lack of development on the outside receiver spot, but then also with the, um, the, the interest there may be in a, a few guys from um, Dell Alexander's past or even just guys he recruited um, back when they were in high school, um, just at a, a, a new level and the chance to, you know, get right into a, an offense and, and to make a splash. Um, but in terms of uh, recruiting for, for, for Dell, uh, it's going to be um, not really more of the same, but I mean, he's very pretty familiar with the state of Georgia. And uh, if he if he needs to, he'll go on the West Coast. He is um, a, a pretty well-known coach. I mean, you know, he was at Notre Dame. Like you said, he was at Arizona State. Um, he's, he's, he's been places and he's hosted kids. Um, he had the, the 2024 four-star receiver on campus earlier this week. Who no, from the DMV, met, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from the from, yeah, from the D.C. area who was actually on the Notre Dame campus in the past and knew him that way. Um, but, you know, the between the, from that hire and then also, you know, you, I know you mentioned that that was arguably the biggest story. But I'd say also there's there's another pretty big hire that happened for Georgia Tech that uh, is, is really – well, off the field, sure, yes, that, that's, a, yes. that's a different story. I guess I was referring more to on the field, but, yeah, off the field. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia Tech was finally able to uh, get get everything done. The ink dry and uh, Kenyatta Watson Sr. on the staff. Um, and to be honest with you, the time is 1034 p.m. on April. What is it? The 14th. 14th? Yeah. 14th. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I don't know if he stopped working since he started. <laughs> Uh, you know, in between, you know, hosting kids, um, you know, scouring the portal. and But I, I mean, really, it, it seems like while there hasn't been a, any results in terms of you know, public commitments and uh, things of that nature, uh, it, it seems like the staff you know, fully assembled now is is ready to to grind in terms of recruiting. And, yeah, yeah, and that's so sure. important. I mean, if you look at what they've done, you know, Thomas, Gary taking over kind of a lot of Patrick Settis's job in terms of the recruiting piece and then having Kenyatta with his piece of that as well as, as well as his NFL stuff and just his name in the area. Um, it'll go a long way, right? Like that, I think that's been a net plus plus um, in that, in that realm, right. For how things are getting done. And, and 
I think Patrick's happy with what he's doing at North Carolina. Uh, you know, there's been progress on the NIL front. Um, there's still, there's like four different things going on at the same time. I think two of them now are sort of in place, which was the initial sort of first wave of kind of NIL deals, like, you know, uh, Jeff Sims, Mercedes deal, stuff like that, that the individual deals that were kind of done. Um, and then there's, you know, a piece of a collective in place now um, with, with some different position groups, but going forward, there's still some more, you know, I guess, forward facing with, with fans and stuff, NIL stuff coming. So all of those things kind of work hand in hand right now. Um, you know, until they get a handle on NIL stuff in terms of the NCAA, I think it's sort of something you have to at least have in place so you can point, Hey, look, we have this available for guys, you know, we're not going to be a certain SEC school that's going to sign you to a deal right now uh, while you're still in high school or, or give you some sort of handshake agreement. But, you know, we have these opportunities, especially for guys who do well, so um, or certain position groups or whatever it is. So that's all sort of starting to evolve, which has been really important kind of missing link. And, and it, the re- only reason it seems like a missing link is we're in the Southeast, so we've seen – Auburn and AM and all these schools that have gone super aggressive with NIL stuff, right? But the reality is in other parts of the country, it's not been that way whatsoever, right? Even in the league, I think uh, Georgia Tech's only like the fourth ACC school with a collective fully set up right now. So, um, really? Yeah. So I was talking to one of the boosters that's behind all a lot of this stuff today, and he was telling me that there's really only a handful of schools that really have it together at this point. And Georgia Tech's actually in a decent position um, for once with, you know, kind of trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit. Um, you know, looking at at how that all dovetails into football, right? I think objectively you can look at the staff on the offensive side of the ball and say this has been an upgrade, right? This has been a, a significant upgrade. I think you look in the recruiting office and I think there's a high-end upgrade. It'll be interesting to see what happens with, how the other pieces of it all fit together. Right. But I, I like the structure of this a little bit better of what they're trying to do. Um, long-term for Georgia tech. I think it makes a little more sense. I think you had, you know, the guy like Sedis who's great. He, that dude did like was involved in so many things, um, which is tough, just tough to balance. Right. Like, and so I think the having that job split up now between Thomas and Kenyatta, I think is a little bit of a net positive there. Thomas is really good at what he does. Um, and, and, you know, the offensive staff looks like what I thought a Jeff Collins offensive staff would look like, what a, a guy trying to run a pro offense, his staff would look like. You have guys that all have P5 experience and Brent Key, the lone holdover now. You have Chip, who obviously has it, Chris Winkie, who has it and Dell who has it and you have a young active recruiter guy and Mike Daniels who they're trying to bring along as sort of the the young gun of the staff right so to me that looks a lot more like what the staff would have looked like with Char choice and had you had those type of guys in 2019 and not 2022 so it'll be interesting to see where the results are everyone is super excited about it right now I will tell you on my end from players coaches uh, people around the program, people who watch practice from even what I got to see at practice. Uh, I think people are excited to see what the offense looks like this fall. I think they're all think it will take a step forward. And that was sort of the big thing there. And then defensively, I think um, it's interesting because to me, while the names aren't as impressive, I, I think they've taken a step forward a little bit with, with some of the hires with, I think I like what coach Tillman's doing in the secondary. I like what I've seen from that group. They look more focused, um, you know, uh, having coach Seymour working with the linebackers is somebody that knows the defense really well, but doesn't have the, the stress of having to call the defense in it. I mean, think about it. Like you're, you know, Andrew Thacker is trying to call a defense the last couple of years. He's also coaching linebackers, trying to make substitutions, and all of this is mostly against teams running tempo. That's like really difficult to do. So they can make some sense. It'll be interesting to see what the the cake looks like after they bake it, right? Like, and they start playing games and serving the cake. Like, is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same? I think you'll learn a lot more about kind of 
uh, Thacker and Collins and kind of that brain trust there. And, and Jeff's betting on himself, right? Andrew's his guy, his fingerprints all over that defense though. So I, to me, it made the most sense. It's what I thought you'd do in the situation. If you're in, if you're Jeff Collins and your back's against the wall here, um, bet on yourself, bet on guys you trust, bet, you know, the big hire to me though, on that side of the ball is David Turner, who's a real veteran guy brings some seriousness to that side of the ball too. Not that the other guys aren't serious, but he is an old school coach. Like he's funny. He tells jokes. He's an entertaining dude, but he's also serious as hell. So I think that, um, and the kids respect him and it's very obvious, right. That they respect him. And I like how coach Turner and Larry Knight are kind of working together, um, in that room. I think Larry Knight's been sort of the unsung hero on that defense the last few years, working with, you know, spare parts and, and guys that wouldn't start at other schools, guys who would struggle to play at times at other schools, just kind of hodgepodge in a, a defensive tackle group together the last couple of years. And now he gets to move work with the ends a little bit more, gets to work with the whole D line. You have coach Turner kind of there dealing with the D tackles a little bit more. I like, I like what I've seen from that group too. So to me, it's, it's been a marked improvement. Obviously the other million dollar question is special teams. We don't know. In the spring, you don't do a ton of that. You kick field goals. You work on some fundamental stuff with return things, but you're not doing live kicking or any of that in the spring. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's where um, that's where that kind of stuff becomes so critical in terms of, you know, what the what the specialists are doing. And they're like this time of year, um, you know, I know Aiden Burr, I don't believe he reports until the summer. And, you know, he had a, a really big health scare during his senior year. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got him and then you've, you've obviously got the guys, the incumbents who are on campus already, you know, Jude Kelly and, uh, gosh, the names are escaping. David Gavin Shanahan, Stewart. the punter, and Gavin Stewart, the yeah. longer kicker. and Yeah, Shanahan, yeah. Um, you know, with Shanahan, I think last year is, you know, the expectations, no one really knew what to expect. You know, a, a guy coming from from another country uh, and also, you know, replacing Presley Harvin uh, was was such a, a, a kind of a tall task. But, he was also you know, punting a lot as well, yes. um, which yeah, his foot was probably tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that was a whole other piece of this, too. Right. It wasn't like, you know, when Presley started, he was working. He played under Coach Johnson. You know, he poured it, you know, he punted 25, 30 times in a season because they played slow tempo and they were effective on offense. The offense was less effective and his punts went up each year. This, I think his first year with them in 19, he set the record for punts in a season by a single person. So like at Georgia tech. So like, yeah, it's a little bit different. He got thrown into the fire. You know, he has all the physical tools. I think with him, it's, that's just reps, right? Like him getting out there and kicking live against, you know, pump lockers and they do work on that stuff. Some, um, in the spring, but you know, with David, I think that's his thing. He's just got to be consistent and that takes time. It Presley wasn't consistent out of the box either. So, um, no punter, you know, that's a, a little bit different even than kicking. So, um, I, that'll be interesting to watch kind of his progression, see where he's at. I think Jude Kelly did a good job kicking the spring. I think Gavin Stewart did too. But, you know, it's hard to tell. They're not really going – they don't really go live on the kickers, so they should be hitting right. a nice clip in spring ball. And if they're not, you're like hey, – every once in a while you go out there for a day and they're not hitting them, you're like, eee. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I uh, I am hopeful that they will finally turn the corner on, on kicking this year and, you know uh, – <laughs> Please, Lord, I don't want to watch like another bad year of kicking. Thank you. Um, it, it's just been rough, dude. Like, uh, that's one of the most painful things to watch because it's like something that everyone takes for granted and then it doesn't go well. And there's a variety of reasons um, why it hasn't. They just haven't really had, you know, anyone that could kick at a high level either. So that hasn't helped. Um, but, you know, Samaglia did a better job last year. He was pretty decent. And, you know, that's the other place where um, not having a line depth hurts too, because you get tired guys in there, you're having to play their starters sometimes on the, on the field goal PAT unit. Um, 
just don't really have the depth there at times to, to have a unit that's really solid and gelled out. I think you would like to have more backups in that unit and have them really hyper-focused on it. And they haven't had that either. So it's just been sort of a, a combination of issues there, but I'm, I feel better about it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be, uh, uh, you know, the other telling piece of, you know, that's one of the things the, you know, there's obviously the, the expectations on chip long and what he's going to do, but the two things that I think fans are really going to be watching Jeff Collins for is special teams and, um, and the defense, obviously. So those are the two areas where he's got to show uh, improvement as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, getting, getting into that, you know, last year, they, like you said, they added some Aglia through the portal uh, this year. I don't see them adding either a kicker or a punter through the portal, um, but they do have I'd say nine spots, maybe more than that. Uh, it depends on what happens with one kid that we thought was going to end up here that may not, but I would say um, right now they have, uh nine open so um yeah not really expecting anyone else to get in the portal and there's one kid that's in flux that we're still waiting for him as you said to get his act together um and and get into uh get get his all his stuff done to be in school but um yeah there's a so that would make it eight right um if you look at and then the other top transfer target they have currently would make it seven. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, these numbers, they can drop fast. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what ends up happening and, well, and you how can many still have guys leave. deal on. Well, yeah, that too. Still have guys leave too. Guys get medical. That happens quite often over the summer. Guys, uh, you know, not qualify. That has rarely happened in recent years. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, I would say – you know, there, let's say there's seven spots left. One's going to be probably if they can find a wide receiver. I think two offensive linemen. I think at least one more defensive lineman. Um, maybe a DB. Um, maybe a linebacker. Like if you can find one you like, and obviously running back is sort of the other. Though I would say right now the biggest need pieces, at least on offense, are running back and offense two offensive linemen. If they can find them, that could contribute immediately. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I think. And I think wide receiver is nice to have, but I think you need those other two spots. At least you need at least one OL and one more running back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they would love to. I think, you know, be able to acquire a, a left tackle, someone who could just come right in and play left tackle. Um, but, you know, between that and then somebody who can be the, uh, not, the, necessarily the not necessarily the Griffin replacement, but the, the Griffin slash Mason role, um, being able to be that back who can, you know, get go in the trenches uh, and not be afraid to go through the tackles, that kind of stuff. The guy who can run and break four tackles on third and one that needs to get you need somebody to break a tackle and get through the line um yeah that's uh you know that's something jordan mason was really good at Jemias was a little harder to see that because you just didn't get the playing time but to me i think um those are the sort of the things i i would be focused on if i were georgia tech you know, I I think you could still see them at another defensive end if they can find the right fit. That's a little bit of an older guy. Um, yeah, yeah, they definitely they need to get if they're going to add there, they need to add like you know, like you said, someone in the portal. Yeah, and then you know, in the secondary, um, that's where it gets interesting because if someone really talented comes open, I think that's where you can roll the dice a little bit because they have some open spots with younger guys in the secondary maybe you can take a young corner or something if there's somebody you really like or have a connection to that shakes loose, but they also are pretty solid there, you know, linebacker. I think all of that hinges on the health of Trenelis Tatum and and Katavian Franks and whether they think those two guys will be able to contribute finally. If they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not Trenelis Tyson. um, I guess Um, not Trenelis. Trenelis is fine. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine the reaction? Yeah, sorry, there? sorry about that uh, brain lapse. Tyson and and Katavian, the two two high school kid teammates, you know, 
you know, Catavian had his issues um, and had to take basically the year off last year. And, and Tyson's just had bad luck with injuries and he's supposed to be getting clear here very soon. Um, you know, if those two guys can step up, I think you then have a pretty solid group with, with, you know, Tatum, like I said, AC Lee, Charlie Thomas and Demetrius Knight. I think that's a solid four. You need, if you had a fifth guy, you'd feel pretty comfortable there. Uh, and then you don't have to rush in a Kylie Ferd or, or play a guy. Maybe that's not ready. Um, you know, looking at, you know, the rest of the defense uh, to me, I, I feel okay about the D tackle situation, uh, especially adding the kid from Memphis. I think he's a big addition, more Joseph. Um, and then you have Keon white back, you know, I think that Russian spots, maybe the one spot they're kind of curious about. You have Kyle Kennard, you have Kevin Harris, you have Noah Collins who are all really skilled. Um, but not don't have that, you know, Kyle has a good bit of game reps under his belt, but the other guys not as much. So I think if you could find somebody that would fit there, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I think at the field, the, the strong side end, they're a little bit better shape with Keon and Sylvain and uh, Josh Robinson, who all have played a good bit as well. Josh a little bit less, but Sylvain's been pretty good. Um, and and I really like Keon White uh, if he can stay healthy. So to me, that's sort of the focus. I, you know, is there anywhere you would like to see them maybe take a shot at somebody? No, I think you 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 covered it pretty well. Um, you know, just to be se- selective with the spots, but don't you know? There's a lot of schools right now who are doing this thing with the portal where they are that um, they're just going, you know, big game hunting. And then if they don't get anyone, they don't get anyone. Um, I don't think that Georgia Tech's in a spot going into the 2022 season where they can do that. I feel like it's good to have a high, you know, high level targets, but at the same time, you also need to have those guys that you can, you can, you know, keep warm right now who aren't making a decision because, you know, they're not coming in for spring ball or anything like that. There's no timer in terms of making a decision right this moment. And you can, you know, like I say, keep them warm, go after the other the other guys. And then if those other guys are getting too big of deals for NIL or, you know, ending up elsewhere, uh, you can, you know, pivot quickly while having also already initiated conversations, possibly even offered the kid and get him on campus and then, and then close the deal. Um, I think that's really the, the the big next step. You know, like you saw what they did with the uh, the Memphis transfer, being able to host him during the the weekend. Well, weekend, you know, it was Thursday night, but um, for of the spring game, uh, he was on his official visit at that time and was able to spend a lot of time with the coaches, spend a lot of time with the players. Uh, you know, just being able to build that formula that's going to help them close on transfers rather than um, during the 2020 cycle where all these kids were committing to, to transfer to Georgia Tech and to other schools without having been on campus, without having had inter- like inter- like face-to-face relationships with the coaches and things like that. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, it'll be interesting to see where where all of this leads to and and – there's been a lot of what I would call guys getting guys getting people to enter the portal uh, who they're unsure if they actually even are takes right now. That's been a, an issue. Um, just a, there's been a lot of nonsense with the transfer portal. I really do think you need to put in a can't a can't like some barricades on it to where you can't just go in arbitrarily randomly in the middle of semesters or or in the middle of the season or whatever, I think they got to figure that out a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that there's still been no real legis not legislation, but there's real, no real, I don't know, not even rules. I don't know really what the word is, but there's no regulations. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, no regulations about anything going on right now in the transfer portal. And I think that's what makes, you know, the, the situation so interesting for a kid like Brandon Jennings, who, to my knowledge, is the first one to enter the transfer portal, start spring practice at a school, 
leave that school and re-enter the transfer portal and then try to make a decision and become eligible for the 2022 season. Yeah, that'll be an interesting sort of test case for all of this stuff. Like, where does that stand? How do they look at it? Um, I don't know. It'll be a, that'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, you know, those things generally have not gone in Georgia Tech's favor traditionally. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to see. You know, we were talking about this before the podcast started. The NCAA is always a very reactive unit and not a proactive unit. And typically they make kids kind of suffer and be test cases for these things until they figure out their way. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the case here with uh, with this young man. Yeah, and, you know, bringing him up specifically, obviously um, by the time you hear this, uh, Georgia Tech offered Jennings on uh, he posted it on Thursday night um, he had the offer a couple of days prior um, it was a, a pretty quick uh, trigger pull by Thacker Collins and the rest of the Georgia Tech defensive staff um, they've been after him each time he's been in the portal and uh, you should have a should see a story on Jackets Online on on him and his let's see first second I guess you call it his third recruitment <laughs> <laughs> um, just to just a little teaser there, yeah, because, you know, Jennings and I have spoke a little bit tonight, and like, like I said, we'll, uh, we should have a story on JOL here in the, the coming hours slash days. Cool. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official tech gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best, uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff, super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think, uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media, and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps, and check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Let's switch gears here and let's dive into um, a little bit more. Uh, let's touch on the hoops portal a little bit quickly here. Um, this can dovetail into another funny story. Georgia Tech picks up um, Lance Terry from Gardner Webb on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Russell and I were in a pit barbecue place and and north of Dallas. Uh, I was a uh, breaking Russell in on his first uh, pit barbecue experience in Texas and how they do it. And my man stepped up and got himself like $70 with barbecued meat. It was in like a meat coma as this was all unfolding. And I was trying to talk to a source on the cell phone and, and his eyes are like rolling back in his head and he's like dying, eating the barbecue. Um, well, man, when I, when we first walked in, and it was so smoky. I was like, oh, please tell me this whole restaurant is not this smoky. I was like, we're going to have to leave. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to like In-N-Out or something. I can't, can't handle this. But then, you know, once we selected the food, I don't, I don't, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't have told the guy it was my first time. Cause I feel like he just loaded up the plate. Yeah. He, he was basically like, he- was like, you Rube, I'm going to make your boss pay for as much barbecue as humanly possible. Um, that you can't even really eat. But, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty funny. Um, you, I'm like sitting there trying to kind of write us something on my phone, um, get stuff up, and, and Russell's like pretty much like non-existent over there, like sitting, sipping a drink, like kind of like glazed over. 
um it's pretty funny yeah i texted my wife i said i don't know if i'm gonna make it to the airport at this rate and um but i I believe we we first like the first part of the story we we broke was that he was just on campus yeah so that was fun i I got tipped off that he had done the visit car yeah and my source was like you should probably talk to him and i was like and i was so out of it from what was going on too that i didn't piece that together which is normally hey man that kid committed i'm not telling you that he committed but you better talk to this kid like asap yeah and um yeah that was um where things where things kind of went <laughs> yeah and then i then i texted the kid and you know, it was a good thing my flight did get delayed slash canceled whatever the, the heck you want to call it and I uh, ended up in Dallas the, another night because uh, while I was there, kids started responding. I think it was it was later in the evening, and we were able to get a, a story out of him. But you know, it's just just a little bit of inside baseball there on how it all went down because we were we were leaving the um, the rivals camp in Dallas when I believe Kelly's phone rang, and we were in the car, and that's when he had we had figured out that this kid was the one on campus. And we, um, like I said, we broke that. And then shortly after, like you said, you know, there was the news that he had committed. Well, it was a whole, there was a whole thing going on too over the weekend because they had the whole thing with Rev leaving, uh, Coach Eric Revno taking the job at Oregon State. So I think there was some like, you know, kind of extra top secretness going on because I think people didn't want us to know that Rev had taken the job yet. And then, um, they had the kid on campus so Josh wasn't out on the road and then they had, uh, you know, some staff out on the road and trying to kind of figure out who was out on the road. And I was kind of wrapped up on that. And ultimately at the end of the day, a credit to Josh Pastner, he's trying to keep a little bit of stuff kind of under the radar here with some of these kids like Lance, they were just trying to get it done. Um, and, and so it'll be interesting to see where, um, where this all ends up, they're still working a lot of kids. Hayden Brown, uh, who I've written about extensively at Ford, he will be on campus next week. He just visited South Carolina. Um, you know, the kid from the Citadel, Loyola Chicago was the other team in the mix, but they picked up a player at his position. So I think it's just South Carolina, Georgia Tech. And there's a ton of other kids, and there's a lot of kids that are trying to keep quiet that they're, they're on right now. And um, not a huge hurry to replace Rev. Uh, you know, BJ Elder stepping up and he's out on the road right now for them. So uh, that'll be a great experience for BJ to get to, to go do a little bit of that. Uh, no open period this weekend, but next weekend's an open gym again for, for uh, college basketball coaches. So they'll, they'll be back out on the road uh, next uh, the 23rd or uh, 22nd. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's there's not just a ton going on there. People keep asking about Tristan Maxwell, who's still on the team as of now. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, but that's he has plenty of opportunities to to sorry, I'm having ready to ship my my phone just uh I mean while watch just started talking to me randomly. Siri uh like piped in and, and decided to jump in on our on our podcast. Uh, uh, so really not a lot going on in basketball. This is sort of a reactive phase where you're going to see some stuff like maybe a kid like Lance Terry committing kind of out of the blue. It's not really out of the blue for Georgia tech. They're just trying to keep some stuff to themselves. So they don't have a situation where they're in a huge dog fight for a kid because it's all public. Um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing that Georgia tech's trying to avoid. Obviously I'm not too dialed into the, the hoops recruiting scene uh, being as heavily involved in, in football and, and, and baseball to some capacity. Um, but it, it seems like with Georgia tech and specifically with coach Passner right now, what he's trying to avoid is the, um, the battle to the very end, you know, that um, those recruitments that get reported on for every single moment, like such and such kid was on campus. Uh, he had three Snickers and a taco. And, you know, those kind of situations, you don't – he doesn't want to get involved in, in those kind of recruitments. He's more interested in the uh, – being able to sneak a kid into campus, um, have him for an OV, 
close the deal and then it'll eventually leak out through you know sources and, and relationships close to the kid uh to where that kid is is leaning towards and, and that kind of stuff um i feel like that is a a much more realistic way for for george check to recruit right now I, I don't know if it was like that when passing first started but it seems like that's something that's become acquired in terms of like a, a lesson learned yeah i think they're they aimed really high with their high school recruiting in the last cycle and they were not going to just take kids to take kids. They've had a little bit of um, issues when they've gotten into like their third, fourth, fifth guy on their board, taking those guys and it not working out for them or guys even further down the board, Asante Price and David Detenko and Christian Soljan popped to my mind. Um, so, you know, they're, and he wants to win right now. He wants to win. He wants to get them into the tournament consecutive seasons. I think that's an overarching goal for Josh Pastner. Uh, I don't know if he will say that publicly, but that's my read on the situation. And so he's going to do what it takes to try to, to make that happen. Um, let's go over to baseball now. And it's certainly been a schizophrenic season for the, the yellow jackets so far. Uh, so go the pitching. So go the jackets is been the uh the rallying cry for many years now and, and certainly the season's not been any different russell no it it really hasn't and um you know you you talk a lot about pitching but there were some some early injuries to you know some a couple of the the key key cogs in the lineup with you know chandler simpson and jake delio well and they had defensive problems too to go with the pitching like oh yeah left that and, out as well and you know i think i think that's really the uh in my opinion been the uh, most interesting you know, storyline to follow uh, for Georgia Tech baseball this year is the uh, emergence of Jaden Jackson, who was, was really coming into the season. You know, I, I talked to several sources and I wouldn't call him an afterthought, but he wasn't someone who was expected to have such a large role. Um, but then, you know, push came to shove. There were some uh, situations that came up and Chandler was out with an injury and, you know, Jaden really stepped up and, and, you know, he stepped up defensively. He was able to, to show some pop with the bat in terms of, you know, being able to get on base. Uh, and he, he's, he took a role and, and grabbed it and he hasn't let go. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff, those kind of situations are, are always fun to watch, um, both for media and for fans of baseball, because, you know, that's something you don't get to see too often in, in other sports. I mean, Obviously, you have you know, special circumstances in football where a quarterback will get hurt and the backup will come and be the star. Um, but then, but in this situation, you know, Georgia Tech's found a way to have three, the, the three main factors for the middle infield in the lineup at the same time. Because you've got, you've got Borden DHing, you've got Chandler at second, and Jaden at short. And, and being able to have that is has been such a, I wouldn't say a relief, but it's it's been game-changing for them defensively because you've got a, a plus second baseman defensively who has the ability to play shortstop if needed. You've got Jaden, who's played all over the infield. And then, you know, Borden, who is has a much stronger bat than he does a glove, you, you've kind of got everybody in the right spot. And... You know, being able to have that at this stage of the season as things kind of pick up and right now they're they're one game under 500 in conference play uh, you know that's a, that's such a big deal um, and speaking of that in terms of the pitching you know early on they they tried out Zach Maxwell as a starter and you know it just didn't ever really stick um, he had a really good first outing I believe it was if I can if I remember correctly um, but but really, ever since you know he was he's struggling to you know get his pitch count up. He was struggling to um, you know when when you when your mindset is different when you're coming out and being as a starting pitcher than it is when you, you know, warm up in the bullpen during live live action and then go into a big spot. And rather than being that starting pitcher who was pitching on Saturdays like he was you know hoping to be originally. He's shifted into this role as the um, kind of like a stopper. Uh, you know, the bases are loaded. Nobody's out. Here comes Zach Maxwell. And, you know, he's been able to get his velocity back up and while also being able to 
not have to get to that pitch count in the in the 70s or 80s. And by doing that, like I said, he's been able to get his velocity up. And he threw, I can't remember the exact velocity, but I believe it was over 101 miles an hour uh, for the other last week during the uh, series with uh, Florida State. And, and just being able to to do that consistently, especially as you know bullpen arms such as you know Luke Bartnicki, uh, Cole McNamee has never really uh, really found his role, and you know even Dawson Brown had some really tough moments early on this season. Um, he seems to be you know, coming into his own a little bit, um, but just just the struggles, um, and then you know the the rotation for for this weekend in in Chapel Hill, uh, it's seems to be the rotation they want to roll with if they can moving forward. Um, and that is a Friday chance Huff, Saturday, Logan McGuire and Sunday Marquise Grissom Jr. Um, Grissom Jr. Is, you know, obviously talked about more than most players on the team, not named Kevin Parada because of his last name and his dad and everything, but he's, he's really, you know, developed into that role and, I'm honestly surprised he hasn't moved up to the to the Saturday role, um, but it seems like on that that the, those Saturday games they want to give that that spot and give the ball to one of their talented freshmen, and and McGuire's got that. And then you know in the future I could also see Carwile uh, continuing to fight for that because he had a a really strong start there as well. That's going to be real interesting. They hit the when does the long road trip start, Russell? Where they are on the road forever. Um, they're on the road for like the entire end of the season, basically. The way the schedule worked out, kind of funky. Um, yeah, because they didn't leave the state of Georgia for a while in March. I think it's May 6th. They go to Clemson and then they're basically on the road. They go to like, they play at Akron, at Kent State, at Pitt to end the season. So they yeah. have like this road trip with one home game, basically. And after May 1st, they play the, the hurricane the hurricanes here and then they have one midweek game with georgia southern and that's it everything yeah. else is on the road so you see your jackets over the next two weeks because that's it yeah um right i think that's the that's the crazy part like you said and then but the other crazy part this season and i know it's been talked about quite a bit on social media this week it's the uh, the strength of baseball in the state of georgia i mean you know there's so many schools that play baseball like college baseball at a high level and you've got them all in the like, i believe i don't remember if it's the top 100 i don't remember the exact number i can pull it up but the just the overall depth of the state is so much better than it has been in the past um you know uga has been um better than many expected um you know Georgia State obviously just beat Georgia Tech in the uh, the midweek matchup. That game could have gotten much uglier than it did. Um, but then you've also got Georgia Southern, who's been playing really well, and then uh, Mercer also. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's it can be when they're all clicking, it can be quite a murderer's road. To, and there's a lot of those games that you play just because of location yeah, and stuff. It's easy to play. Here we go. So Georgia State, Mercer. Georgia Southern, Kennesaw State, Georgia Tech, and UGA are all in the top 25 in RPI. Wow. That's crazy. And, and Georgia Tech's schedule this season has been insane. And, you know, they're going to, to Chapel Hill, and they'd love to take two out of three. But, uh, I, I mean, the way North Carolina plays at home, they're one of the best teams in the country at home so far this season. I, it'll be it's going to be tough for them to, to do so but coming out hot on Friday and and getting a quality start from Chance Huff would be a, a great start Gotta set the tone baby Gotta set the tone uh, let's kind of wind things down here um, recruiting has been obviously kind of a big focus for us the last couple of weeks with the, the rivals camp series and being out on the road and um, uh, Russell was out with me in Dallas, and that turned out to be a little bit of a wash for Georgia Tech content. But, um, yeah, we did see we were privy to a viral moment that, um, I moments, I, moments that I was pick I picked up on really quickly actually as it was unfolding. 
um, that this was going to be like awesome and, and started really tuning into it. But, uh, you know, tell the story of, uh, uh, Brione, Bubba, uh, whatever his name is. I can't remember now. The Brooks. Yeah. Brooks. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, that's a kid at South Oak Cliff. It when you know, choice was still here. Choice was still at Georgia Tech. He and he was on staff. He was on the road and recruiting. Probably saw this kid when he was, I don't know, 15, 16, and pulled the trigger on on an offer. I mean, he offered, I think, almost the entire South Oak Click roster. But you know, this kid, you know, came into the the event with a a, a recruitment that was ongoing but it was really a quiet one because i mean to be honest with you no one the rivals network uh we we keep we try to keep up the best we can with all the offers and the interest and all the the kids going on Um, but it can be overwhelming at times especially in the the state of texas where you know there's just there's so much talent and so much going on Um, it actually got to the point to where when we were at the camp Brooks actually didn't have a picture on his profile. Um, I don't believe his height and weight was correct. And there were no offers on any recruiting profile that he had on any site. And he came out, performed, was explosive, both with his mouth and with his his body. And, you know, he, he made the most of the opportunity. And, you know, it was it was funny to see i mean i don't know if we'll probably have to attach the the video to the the link to the podcast where everybody can see but i mean it was it was a spectacle and the kids were were on his team like all the other alignment were even the defensive guys were him. digging it dude like they yeah. were laughing too man it was hilarious and the best part was the dude lined up he lined up at right guard center and left guard he made sure he took a rep at each one of them in the first set of rounds and he just dominated each of his guys. He even kicked a guy out to get an extra ref to rep at left guard. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it was just, it was hilarious and there's always some moments like this, but this one was especially funny um, just because he is such a massive human being. And, you know, the joke was that some of us were talking about, like I was talking to our Oklahoma and Texas guys and they're like, you know, 20 years ago, this guy would have been like an, you know, an all-American high school, all-American recruit, like a five-star type guy, not five-star, but you know what I mean? Like when teams were not running tempo and were not, and just had massive offensive linemen back in, you know, 20 years ago or even longer. I mean, he would have been the starting right guard at Oklahoma for Barry Switzer or something back in the day. Like, and this kid now is like, you know, (laughs) he's so interesting. Like, to me, like he needs to like go play at the U or something because I think that would be hilarious fit for him, um, like at Miami or someplace like that. But he just needs to like I want to see that kid play somewhere in college because I think it'll be entertaining because he's just so huge and so strong and he's he, just so funny, man. I was just cracking up. Like if you turn up those videos loud enough, you will probably hear me laughing in the background because I'm just cracking up as he's doing all this stuff because it was so funny. And he was so dominant. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, we get out on the road and it's interesting because sometimes it's um, not necessarily guys getting recruited right now. What ends up happening a lot of the times is guys get offered after we go out and see them on the road. And some of that's yeah, like the running back. Yeah, exactly. Like Marquise um, Collins, the uh, college station running back who I wasn't aware was even, you know, kind of on their radar. And then. I get a ping from somebody close to, to Collins, Marquise, not Jeff. And uh, he's like, I think, I think Georgia Tech's about to offer. And I'm like, what? I was like, I thought, you know, you would think that they, they would stop recruiting running backs in the state of Texas after um, Choice was there. And then also after hosting Newberry for a visit, thinking they were the leader and then coming to find out that distance was too much, too far for him. And he ended up actually committing to Colorado within maybe a, a day or two before Collins got the offer. Uh, you know, you have those kind of situations that come up and then 
there was a, another kid who was there. I think his name is Tayshawn Henry, uh, Rivals 250 kid that everybody in the state of Texas loves. And, you know, he doesn't – or Tayshawn Wilson, who doesn't have the, the, the size that everybody loves for a corner DB. Um, you know, his talent speaks for itself, whether it's ball skills, being able to be quick. Um, and, and Georgia Tech pulled the trigger on an offer. So, you know, you kind of give one of those, those, you know, curiosity interviews for a Rivals 250 kid in Texas just to see kind of where his head's at. But, you know, there was, there was a lot of interest there. And as I reported on Sunday while we were there, um, it, it sounds like, you know, Steve Moore is going to lead the way for them into at least an official visit. Um, you know, obviously recruiting against a, in the state of Texas against Texas, uh, possibly Texas A&M, you know, Baylor, and those other schools can be an uphill battle. Um, but just getting him on campus is honestly an achievement in itself. So we should buy A.J. Newberry a map and show him. Uh, Boulder is almost 14-hour drive from where his high school is, and Atlanta is, I think, 11 and a half or 12. Just just saying. And and by the way, when it snows, that drive turns into like 24-hour, 36-hour drive between Boulder and, and, and Dallas. But that was funny because we were supposed to talk to that kid and he didn't show up. And I was going to go to his high school and he committed like, and so I ended up not going on that, like going over to talk to him, which was pretty funny and very fitting for the way that kind of camp turned out kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. Russell's got one more camp coming up or two more. I'm sorry. He's got Indy and Atlanta uh, next month. Indy at the end of this month and then Atlanta next month. The Indy camp should have some interesting kids. Hopefully some of the Ohio kids at Georgia Tech are recruiting and show up. And then um, – Yeah, the, uh, the – oh, we didn't – we haven't even talked about their 2024 commitment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the kid from Ohio. Um, yeah, from Princeton. Uh, what's his name, Russell? T.J. Engelman. Yeah, T.J. Engelman. So, yeah, the running back. That was very funny that – and by the way, they've had 2023 commitments. Uh, just to be clear, they had kids decommit, you know, and due to s- s- some changes that went on and changes in priorities and stuff. Uh, so I think it's a little disingenuous to totally say they, like they don't have a commitment yet for 2023. They've had a couple. Um, and obviously, remember last time was a Juju that was committed, decommitted in the, in the early spring, late, early winter maybe before the spring, then he ends up signing a year later with Georgia tech in February. So you just never know what's going to happen with these, you know, they continue to recruit some of these kids, but. um, You know, speaking of that, I'd like to go on the record and say that I think at least one of their early 2022 commitment, 2023 commitments is going to recommit and sign with Georgia tech in December. Huh. I have an idea who it's not based on some conversations we've had off, off, off mic, but that'll be interesting. That's a, that's a, a bold prediction. I'm sure people will be guessing about this uh, tomorrow on the website, but um, yeah, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And that's something else that I think, I think right now, you know, there's just a lot of negative momentum for people wanting to see what's going to happen. And, and that's fair at this point, right? Like, they've kind of recruited over their heads uh, this whole time, given kind of the on the field results the last couple of years. So now people want to see it a little bit more and, and there'll be some, and there's kids they could go get tomorrow if they just wanted to get a commit. The problem now um, for schools like Georgia tech and, and really most programs, except for Clemson is they're not taking full high school classes. So if you're only going to take 15 high school kids or 14 high school kids, you got to be a lot more selective about what you do and, and you can't just kind of roll the dice on a kid or two and get someone in the boat to have someone in the boat uh, who, you know, maybe is a little bit of a fringe guy, maybe a guy you want to see in camp this summer and work out on your own. That's another piece of all of this too. We forget that we're a month and a week away from the first sets of summer camps uh, about six weeks away from them. And they get to, their hands on these kids and they get to work them out and, run them through their stuff and look at them. And, and that's where you find a lot of um, kind of opportunities to, to, and I'll be interesting to see, I think we may see a resurgence of kids camping, uh, which has been dying off in the last few years. 
because of how competitive all these scholarship spots are now for high school kids. So um, it should make for an interesting summer. I'm not, I would not be concerned about where they're at with, they need to work to be honest with you right now. If you're a Georgia tech fan, what you should be looking at is how do they fill their remaining spots in the portal here between now and, and the kickoff of the season? Cause that's the utmost importance. And I think the 2023 stuff will figure itself out as, as we move along. Absolutely. And if uh, they don't get the right guys in the portal, the uh, there may be a different coaching staff recruiting those 2023 recruits. Well, exactly. That's the other thing too. You don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. I think no one has any idea right now of what the ultimate, um, where things will look like, you know, eight months from now, right? Like, or I guess seven and a half months from right now when, when the Georgia games wrapped and whatever's happening is happening, you know, Jeff Collins getting his team ready for a bowl game, or you're talking about how, you know, how close they were to getting to a bowl game at five wins or, you know, they're back at three or less and you're talking about a coaching change. And those are the things that none of us can, can tell. And, and I think that's, um, it, it makes it difficult, but I think the staff's done a good job considering um, the way they're getting negative recruited right now and, and the reality of the situation too. Let's not mince words here, but I think they've done a pretty good job. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And the thing with Georgia Tech is ultimately a lot of times the kids that end up at Georgia Tech, it's more than just the football piece of it too. So, um, it, it, you know, if you go back and even look at like the first class Jeff had, that was a lot of Coach Johnson's kids, um, you know, that stayed just because they loved Georgia Tech and wanted to be a part of the program. It had nothing to do because it was clearly going to be something completely different. It was a total 180 from what they were doing and then almost every facet of the program and those kids stayed because they wanted to be at Georgia Tech so the program does recruit itself to an extent as well so I think those are all things we you know have to file away in the back of our heads here as we watch this unfold over the next couple of months absolutely any final thoughts Russell any uh any predictions are you going to put in a uh, future cast for uh some Georgia Tech prospect uh, coming up soon to, to end up on the flats or anything exciting like that to look forward to? I've got two that I put in. You have Quentin and, and McKinney. Yeah, keep Quentin and Ethan. Lassiter and North Cobb. Just, I mean, the only real last prediction, you know, closing thoughts is that, you know, this this class, I believe, is going to be um, more Georgia focused, which is crazy to even discuss after seeing the the last view. But it just seems like the the focus and the emphasis on the state of Georgia is just at a a new high in terms of the amount of evaluations taking place, um, the amount of competition there's going to be for for their spots in their class uh, once the summer rolls around and high schoolers start to realize. Oh my gosh, those those freshmen from the, from January and, and uh, or February and December signing period, they could leave and they may take spots elsewhere. And you know, once hopefully they start to get some good advice from you know trainers, seven on seven coaches and stuff, because they're gonna have you know horror stories about other kids getting um, persuaded into the portal only to not get recruited. Um, you know, there's just so many different situations that are, are, are set to take place that I really feel like the emphasis on the state of Georgia and the results in the state of Georgia are going to be much higher than they have been in the past. Yeah. Both in terms of quantity and quality. Um, I think, you know, you could eventually, you could see one of those kids that you typically think of, oh, you know, Georgia Tech will be a, a factor if he enters the portal down the stretch. Um, I think you could see them actually just landing one of those kids out of high school first time around. Hmm. Well, that'll certainly be an interesting thing to watch. All right, Russell. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back more often. Um, working on some stuff as I hinted at the beginning of the podcast. It'll make this a little bit easier to do uh, and more regular too. But uh, for Russell Johnson, Kelly Clemens, this is the Jackson Online Podcast.